He scopes out the present, shakes out the past, and keeps an eye out on the future. This is the Racing with Bruno podcast. Now, from Lexington, Kentucky, here's Bruno DiGiulio. And welcome. This is our Breeders' Cup Draw podcast. And I, without any further ado, let's bring in my man, Ron Flatter from Las Vegas. Hey, Ronnie, how you doing? Not bad. Not bad. Getting excited here with all the uh, horses drawn into the Breeders' Cup. We finally, after all this waiting and all this anticipating and all this talk, 184 horses have been entered into the 14 races. Not a lot of surprises in the draw in terms of who's where. We knew Swiss Skydiver was going distaff, for instance. But a few surprises, I think, on the morning line that we can discuss as we go through. Only 184? God, it felt like I've entered 500 horses over the last three days. <laughs> I put in at least 300 works. Uh, the feature looks fantastic, Ron. That's exciting, too. I want to at least, well, look, it's your podcast. And, of course, one of the things we're going to talk about is what you're going to be doing Wednesday and Thursday night. So why don't you go ahead and tee that up while I'm getting ready to tee up some of the odds for the 14 races? Well, we're giving out last call right now. Last call to get on board on our webinar and uh, for this Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, you buy the package at racingbruno.com. Uh, you will receive an email with an invite for the Wednesday, Friday Zoom handicapping. And then on Thursday, you will, receive, you will join us again for our Saturday handicapping on the webinar you get to see my face made for radio uh, maybe ron will join us i will i have brian brian lazarica is going to join us oh, he does cool. our california stuff uh mike miaskis from uh who's my uh another one of my clockers might join us so uh, we might have, uh, my, and I'm still working on maybe a couple of surprises for the show, Ooh. but uh, it's going to be fun. If you've been to our uh, Zooms, and I know you have, Ron, mm -hmm. um, I think they're very entertaining. I think we have a good time. I think we give people a really a much different look. Uh, I, I'm, I'm one of those guys, Ron, that I don't believe I have to have my face up there all the time. You don't need to see my lips move to know I'm talking. Um, and I love having... Um, I, I love showing videos and showing things and, and, and educating and showing people things that maybe they don't know. Um, so little things like that. And we're also going to break out my way of looking at Europeans tomorrow. Ah. I mean, on Wednesday. Sorry, Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Today is Monday. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> uh, I'm it's getting, getting away from us, though. The week will go fast. I ain't better. I just want tomorrow to go fast. <laughs> you know, so anyway, but uh, so Ronnie, what do you got? Well, let me ask you first, too, because you're there and all the reports from Monday morning. You're there in Kentucky. And I'm here. And there you are. How cold it was and how they had to deep harrow the main track at Keeneland and a lot of horses went over to the training track and... A little bit of calling audibles because there was a little bit of delay in training starting on Monday. So how much was the weather a factor in the morning for you and for your dog, Joe, and for everybody else? 
Well, first of all, you know, we were, you know, we were, the show was fired up and ready to go. Woke me up at four in the morning, like, <laughs> are we going? Are we going? Are we going? You know? So, um, we, uh, at 5 a.m., I got a text from a buddy at the track said, don't even bother right now. Track's closed. It's frozen. And I went, oh, okay. So I decided to take the boy out for a walk. Mm -hmm. And I walked three steps outside, and it was 22 degrees. Wow. And I, yeah, so we came back in, and I put in about five layers on and gloves. And I had, you know, my mask all the way up to my eyeballs. And I had a hoodie. And uh, we went out for a walk, and he loved it. Loves it. Loves the weather. He's got that tail curled, and his, and he's, you know, <laughs> I was hoping, I was hoping he would want to go back in because he had icicles coming out of his mouth, you know. <laughs> so yeah, so you know, he's a husky. So it's like for him, it's like woo, let's go, you know. So, but it was, um, so we were able to do everything, you know, hang out, and him and I got breakfast and. When do I get to do that? You know, I'm always on the run in the morning. And then uh, then went over and uh, I think they got the track open about a couple of hours later and things were okay. I think tomorrow our weather's a little bit better. So, um, yeah, it's it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see tomorrow. It's mostly gallops and how horses come out or came out of works, uh, which I got to see a few of them. I got most got to see a lot of them over at Churchill. Uh, on on Sunday, um, Saturday and Sunday, and um, boy, that was a lot of fun clocking at Churchill Run. I think we had uh, 27 works in, in in two days of Breeders Cup uh, Breeders Cup horses. Um, I, I think almost 30 percent of the horses that were uh, that are running in the Breeders Cup are coming out of Churchill. Uh, I think 45 percent are have been training here in Kentucky. Well, there's 184. So we, they're coming, and, and, and that's what you and I talked about the whole entire time leading up to the Breeders' Cup. That's why I set myself up to be here and know the horses from here. Excellent. Excellent. And the weather's supposed to be nice the rest of the week, right? Yes. Nice. What it's going to be interesting is it's going to be a, um, like, for example, tonight it's going to get down in the 30s, but tomorrow it'll be around 61 degrees. Wednesday, 66 degrees, not a cloud in the sky, 45 at night. Then uh, Thursday night, we might have some clouds, but it's 63 and 39. And Friday will be 66 and 45. And Saturday goes up to 72. Nice. So it is going to be really, really nice. We deserve that this year to have a positive punctuation mark on what would be the climactic moment of the racing season. So that's nice to hear. All right, so let me, I know you're not going to give picks here because that's what the Zoom calls are for and what your literature well, and, is for. And I haven't finalized my handicapping. I, I don't want to, you know, because then I get the, but you said. <laughs> right. <you know? laughs> yeah. Yeah, you said this Monday. Yeah, a little early yeah. for that. But we can at least get some initial impressions of the draw. So why don't we go First, for the first of the Breeders' Cup races on Friday, which I think is the sixth race, uh, Golden Pal, one of three for Wesley Ward, one of four for Wesley Ward in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint, drew wide 
8 to 5 morning line, Drew number 14. And this is a theme that we're going to hear a lot about, Bruno. A lot of favorites drew wide for these races. And right off the bat, with Irod Ortiz getting the ride on Golden Pal, uh, 8 to 5, as I mentioned, juvenile turf sprint. Right away on Twitter, I had a question from someone who said, how much of a disadvantage is the outside post for this setup in the juvenile turf sprint? Well, first of all, it's five and a half, correct? I think you're right. I think it is five and a half furlongs. Okay. The the five and a half, if, if, if people have not been to Keeneland, what they don't realize is that it's uphill to the three-eighths. There is a, uh, uh, there is a, when you come off the three-quarter pole on the turf, you go downhill to the bottom of the hill, and then you come up. Mm-hmm. So... If you're breaking from the outside in the 14 hole, not only do you got to break on top, but you have got to rush over uphill to get down to the inside. Very interesting for that race. Mm. It'll be interesting. If he breaks out at all, and, you know, they might be a little tough for him. You know, I, I, I am counting that as a negative for Golden Powell. And at distance, too, I think he's a five-for-long horse. It is five and a half, by the way. I did double-check. It is five and a half. Hmm? That's what I thought. Correct. Okay. We always want to be correct. That's why we double-check these things. The second race of the Breeders' Cup races will be the Juvenile Turf at one mile. And so we look at the morning line on this one. And it's a wide-open race just based on the morning line. And as I was looking at advanced betting overseas as well, when you see five to one for the favorite, and in this case it's Mutasebek, the Todd Pletcher horse, Luis Saez. And by the way, doesn't Luis Saez have a lot of nice rides this coming week? But he drew number six for the juvenile turf, Bruno. I don't see why he's favored. I mean, he had the win at Keeneland on a complete total setup where uh, he was able, he did have some trouble early, but he got a great, you know, he's got more speed than that. I think you're going to see him more forwardly plays for uh, for Pletcher. I should tell you, too, that in the actual betting, uh, Mutasebek is, I'm just looking to see, uh, Mutasebek 5-1 to one in real-life betting battleground coming over for Aiden O'Brien. 4-1 to one is the favorite overseas. So it's a pretty wide-open race. And, 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 and um, battleground has not raced since the summer right because he came up with a cough and missed some time and missed the national stakes six to one now what what is your i mean i I mean i'm looking at the horse and i'm thinking you know what aiden o'brien has not had a lot of success here has he no and in fact his last win in the breeders cup was with mendelson in the juvenile turf three years ago that was the first race on the breeders cup card that day at del mar he has had 35 starters since in the Breeders' Cup, and all 35 have failed to win. So he's trying to break a 35-horse, not 35 race, but 35-horse losing streak right now in the Breeders' Cup. Wow. That's the kind of stats you get from my man. Now, um, does John Gosden, um, I, I don't have my PPs in front of me, John Gosden does not have anything in the in the two in, in the in the two year olds, does he? Correct. Not in the juvenile turf. Yeah, and I'll just so. double check juvenile Phillies. Same situation. And by the way, juvenile Phillies came up with a very short field, only seven. 
and that is led by Princess Noor in terms of the morning line. And here we go again. I know it's only a seven-horse field, but the favorite drew outside at 9-5 to five for Bob Baffert with Victor Espinosa riding in the juvenile fillies. And you got to remember that that seven could be could be a, a, as bad as a ten because it's that they run short run into the turn. So you got to get speed. You got to get forwardly placed. And if you even have any kind of a slow start, or if you come from behind her, it makes it really tough because you've got to make your move early. You got to move early on down the back stretch. It's your short run, short stretch. Um, I'm playing against Princess Noor. And by the way. Have you done any stats on Baffert at the Breeders' Cup in the last three, four years? Uh, yes, I do. Since, let's see, now he is, uh, in the last three years, with the only score for him being game winner in the juvenile at Churchill Downs two years ago, one for his last 22. Wow. Okay. Good to know. And you mentioned juvenile fillies. Uh, you were asking about Gosden. I mentioned there the dirt race. So obviously... Uh, I was jumping the gun a little bit. In terms of the juvenile Phillies turf, which you were actually asking about, that uh, does not have a John Gosden horse. And in this case, the two shortest price horses on the morning line, actually the three, two of them drew toward the inside. Aunt Pearl for Brad Cox at 3-1. to one. Plum Ali for Christophe Clement, still looking for his first Breeders' Cup win, drew the number four hole. So Plum Ali in the four, Aunt Pearl in the five, Campanelli for Wesley Ward back home again after the trip to Europe. Uh, she drew number 10 in the field of 14 in a race that Chad Brown traditionally wins, but his horse, a long shot to begin with on merit, editor-at-large, drew 14. Uh, so that's what it looks like for the juvenile Phillies turf. I, ha I have some really interesting workout information on all those horses. So you might want to take a look at the workout report. Uh, I've got some interesting info there. So what else we got? Okay, by the way, Juvenile Phillies turf at a mile. Juvenile Phillies, as you were mentioning, with the short run up to the first, or actually the short run to the first turn, a mile and, and a sixteenth. Right. Because, you know, you if you start at the wire, the wire is a mile, you know, it, it, it's, it's, uh, it's a mile and a sixteenth all around. But you've got to start near the wire so you can get them into the turn. And the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, of course, and that is the Jackie's Warrior race. And Jackie's Warrior, by the way, in real betting, well, you're looking at plus 162, 13 to 8 if you want to do those fractions. So really about 8 to 5 uh, for him in this race. But if you're looking about where they set him on the morning line, Seven to five, and he drew seven. Short. Yeah, I'm playing against Jackie's Warrior, and I've got some really interesting reasons why that we're going to look at and show on our uh, webinar. And um, I got a horse in there I love, and we'll leave that for the webinar. Okay, Jackie's Warrior, by the way, uh, drawing seven for Steve Asmussen, and the second two choices. Essential quality at four to one in post five for Brad Cox and reinvestment risk for Chad Brown. Uh, reinvestment risk finished second to Jackie's Warrior in his last two wins. Reinvestment risk drew three and is nine to two on the morning line. Interesting thing, by the way, essential quality, while still offshore, the second choice for the Kentucky Derby behind Jackie's Warrior, 
here in Las Vegas in the William Hill betting, essential quality now the 12 to 1 favorite to win the Kentucky Derby, which says somebody came in and dropped a bundle of money on him uh, to win the Kentucky Derby. And so there you have that. By the way, a mile and 16th for the juveniles. So same conditions, Bruno, same warning you would say in terms of the run to the first turn as we had for the juvenile Phillies, right? Absolutely. Yes. So there you go. That's your Friday card. In terms of overall impressions, just thoughts there? You got a lot of short price favorites among the five races on that. And I think I'm playing against most of them. Nice. All of them. See, something to look for at racingwithbruno.com and also on the Wednesday and Thursday webinars. All right. So now we've got nine Saturday races. We'll start with the Philly and Mare Sprint. Gamin drew two. I was texting with Bob Baffert for Horse Racing Nation, and he said of his six horses, and he drew wide for most of his races, but he does not like the draw for Gamin being at two, being stuck in there with uh, Johnny Velasquez having to negotiate the uh, early traffic there in the Philly and Mare Sprint. But he says she's such a super Philly that uh, if anybody can overcome it, she can. Seven furlong Philly and Mare Sprint. Is he already setting up for a, uh, well, the post position got her beat? And he said what he said. He said five of his six he liked. Gamine, he didn't. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't trust her. Um, as we know, Bob had some positives. Um, and, and and there was some stuff that came up that that it was overages or, and, you know, and the one thing he has to do, he has to be really careful. And um, I'm just, you know, maybe that's why he's one for 22. And I'll just say that. Also, in terms of opposition, Serengeti Empress, Tom Amos at three to one in gate seven. I think we're going to get more than that on Serengeti Empress. I think she'll float up because they're going to bet Gamine. Mm-hmm. They're going to bet um, the... Um, the other Philly, Venetian Harbor. Mm-hmm. Um, I think speech bells the one they'll get money. Yeah, I, it's going to be that's good. I love a horse in there, and I love a long shot in there. Ooh. And I haven't decided how I'm going to structure it on the ticket uh, or on the sheet, but um, stay tuned. To the turf sprint and another favorite drew wide, although not widest. Mark Cassie has got Stormy at seven to two. Leinster and Imprimis, who you might have regarded as the favorites since they're getting all the money in the offshore betting. Imprimis at number three for Joe Orsino and Irad Ortiz, and Leinster for George Arnold uh, drew number seven. They're both four to one on the morning line. Luis Saez will get the ride on Leinster, and that race will go five and a half furlongs on that uh, turf course that you were describing earlier, Bruno. I, you know, the turf sprint is all about form. And all about how they're coming in at that time. And um, I love a horse in there. And I'm going to put it on top. It's a price. And um, I always look at those turf sprints that you have to have current form. So I'm looking at current form and a horse that runs every single time out. Here's the one I'm going to be interested to hear what you have to say. And you've already spoken on your webinars about the configuration and the perils of that. And we've already talked about short run-up and short turn and all this. 
And that's the dirt mile. And if you look at this complexity, the overseas favorite, the offshore favorite, the morning line favorite at two to one for Chad Brown drew 10 in the field of 12. Nick's go drew five at seven to two for Brad Cox. But if you want to look at the ideal draw, perhaps you're looking at Art Collector. Drew the rail for Tommy Drury. He was very happy about that. Six to one on the line for Art Collector. In this, remember, it's a mile and the 16th track, as you mentioned, Bruno, and it's a one mile race. So do the math in that regard. But uh, is I just want to hear what you think about the dirt mile and the draw and just post position for this configuration. And this is this is a race that you've got Mr. Money at twenty to one and he's training great. Drew six. Yeah, he he's complexity's not a two turn horse. He's done all his work, best work around one turn. And I I don't know. In the ten hole, he's gotta go. Yeah. And we have seen you know, we have seen him around two turns stop like he got shot. Um so I'm not sure, um, but I, I've got some. I got a few things up my sleeve there. Absolutely, I made some. I've got some great notes from the horses in the morning, and I usually always refer to that because I think sharp horses win races, and sharp horses show more than just mm. class. The mile and three sixteenths on the turf for the Philly and mare turf, and here we have an exception to what had been the rule for favorites drawing wide. Rushing fall for Chad Brown, one of four Chad Brown horses in this race. She drew six and was made the five to two morning line favorite. Does she want to go that far? Ooh, I don't know. What about me and Mary? A lot of people have forgotten about me and Mary. She drew four. They talk about Chad Brown. That sister Charlie has been off form. I don't think she's the same. Rushing falls may be a bit over her distance. You've got my sister, Nat, correct? Drew five. And who's the other Chad Brown? That'd be Nay Lady Nay, Drew 13. I don't like her at all. Um, I, I mean, my sister, Nat, has really got good form right now. So you'd have to look at her a little bit. But, you know, to me... I, I'm sort of discussing with myself, hmm. Dr. Joe also, about, you know, whether I'm not going to use any Chad Browns. Interesting. Rushing fall may be one, but she's attached, you know, on that distance. My sister Nat may be higher than rushing fall in my, in my, in my eyes. I don't think I mentioned sister Charlie drew two, and I think I said me and Mary drew four. So those are the highlights in terms of the draw for the horses that you mentioned in the Philly and Mare Turf. Uh, to the sprint, and uh, in terms of the conditions for this race, six furlongs for that one. And here we go again, wide draw for the favorite, although not an overwhelming favorite for George Weaver, and that's Vacoma at three to one. Javier Castellano will get the ride. Yalpon for Steve Asmussen with Joel Rosario, seven to two, and Drew number 10. But Vacoma 14, Yapon at 7-2 in 10. CZ Rocket for Peter Miller, 
uh, who has certainly won this race a few times, drew two and is seven to two on the morning line for the Breeders' Cup Sprint. You know, the one thing about Peter Miller, Peter Miller is so good with turf sprinters. You know, um, with this horse. He this won- is the dirt sprint. Right, correct. Um, and what race did he win? What sprint did he win? He won the turf sprints. Well, he, remember, he there were a couple years there. He won them both. So with with CZ Rocket, he was claimed for Mal Stahl, and he has basically turned that horse into uh, an, an absolute um, monster again. That horse always had a lot of talent. I remember when he debuted first time out at Saratoga, um, He, um, I was told that he was a, a freak. Well, w- what's interesting to me is that it, it took him a little while to actually get to this level, but it looks like Peter Miller's got him in, in going in the right in the right direction. Um, I, with CZ Rocket, he's going to be pace dependent. Um, I just don't see Vacoma being able to get out of that that wide post, overcome his his issues that he had, overcome um, having to come out here to Keeneland, even though he's won here in the Bluegrass with that action of his having to go six furlongs. He's one of my bet against. Um, so that race is wide open. If you take Vacoma out and maybe CZ Rocket being pace dependent, that's a wide open race. And Nashville didn't go in. Correct. Nashville's going to be on the undercard. Exactly. I think they did the right thing. It's only his third start. And uh, he is a, he was a three-year-old starting in uh, late summer of his three-year-old season. And that usually spells that they had some problems. So, uh, very interesting race to me. I got to dig deeper into that. I have dug deep into the Peter Miller resume, and for I can imagine listeners are screaming at us the names that I'm about to mention. Stormy Liberal and Roy H won back to back in 2017 and 2018 yeah, in both won, races. Won I could not remember the Breeders' Cup Sprint he won. Um, and, and it was Roy H., that's correct. Right, so, uh, 2017 and 2018, and then Peter Miller, of course, won last year in the turf sprint with Belvoir Bay. So he's looking to yeah. go four in a row in the turf sprint and three of four in the dirt sprint. Unreal, unreal. All right, so the next one after the sprint, we go to the mile, and here's a wide-open betting race if you believe the morning line. I don't. And Bruno, I I can't wait to hear your reaction to this. Now, if you're just looking at who actually was getting the money in real betting, Cameco at four to one offshore and overseas was doing so, drew the number two hole and was made the six to one third choice by morning line maker Mike Battaglia. Uni, the defender in this race, the second choice, drew 12 for Chad Brown, who's got three in this race with Raging Bull and Digital Age. Ivar, on the strength of his Shadwell Turf Mile victory, the Brazilian bred for Paulo Lobo, Joe Talamo riding, drew 11, inexplicably, the 4-1 to one morning line favorite. Well, I, as far as being inexplicably, um, I think that the reason some of these horses that have run at Keeneland are fresh in the mind of the morning line maker, and he's given them the advantage. Um, Ivar was impressive. 
Um, Uni has really come around of late. She loves this turf course. Uh, she's trying her best races. Um, and I love the way she's training coming up to the race. I've got one horse that I that I'm counting on in the mile that's going to run very well, and I'll uh, be talking about that on the uh, on the uh, webinar on um, Thursday. But um, the Euros are really interesting because Kamiko they thought was a Epsom Derby type horse. And didn't run at all behind Serpentine in the in in, in the in the Epsom Derby. Uh, Serpentine went wire to wire, mm -hmm. and um, I just kind of panicked for a second. I thought, "Wait a minute, am I right?" Okay, yeah, I'm right. Um, yeah, you're right. Yeah, um, I'm not even look. I didn't have my. Um, I'm not. I'm doing this all of basically off off my mind of what I've been doing all day long. Because Ron, I've been doing this all day long. <laughs> I think I. I think the past performances look double to me, uh, double vision. Um, by the way, great <laughs> album from four, second album up from four. From four and right. yeah. Um, but uh, that race is—it's all going to be about trip, isn't it? I'm just trying to think. Does post? I mean, you got so many well-regarded horses that drew wide. Are they going to be severely disadvantaged, or is this a typical turf race where it'll be tactical speed late? You know, sometimes you don't know. You got to look at it and say who's on what horse. If you've got a European rider, you know, drawn inside, you know what they're going to do. They're going to stick on the fence, get cover, and and do that. Some of the, you know, some of the American riders may want to send and try to put on the lead. Uh, this turf course is going to be firm, good to firm by the time we get uh, uh, to, to Friday, uh, to Friday and Saturday. I, I really believe that. That we're when the turf is firm, I think I, I think late runners do very well on it because they can get a hold of it. When the turf is a bit wet, um, it's very hard um, for anybody to accelerate, and speed does better. So I use, I'm using that going in. Interesting that Europeans, by the way, drew the four inside posts. Aiden O'Brien in one and three. Circus Maximus on the rail has Ryan Moore. And Lope Fernandez, the long shot with Frankie DeTore. O'Shane Murphy, just crowned riding champion over uh, in the aisles uh, over the weekend, drew into, well, has Kamiko, as we mentioned, drew two. And then Colin Keane for Jared Lyons uh, with Siskin at 12 to 1 in the four hole. So if you're looking at those Euros, there they are, as you were mentioning. And so that brings us uh, to the distaff. And this is where, as we mentioned, Swiss Skydiver went, but she will not be the favorite, and she wouldn't have been when you consider the presence of Monomoy Girl. But here we go again. Another favorite drew wide. Monomoy Girl will break from the 10 hole, but that's nothing new for her. Brad Cox said, look, remember, she drew wide in the Kentucky Oaks, drew wide in the Breeders' Cup before, won them both. He's fine with being in the 10 and Swiss Skydiver drew five for Kenny McPeak with Robbie Alvarado maintaining the ride there in a 10-horse field for the distaff. Boy, Swiss Skydiver, she's something else. And Robbie Alvarado's going to ride her, and she doesn't need the lead. Uh, Monomoy Girl is a you know fantastic champion. All she does is win. What a great race. I'm really going to enjoy watching that race. And I have an idea who I'm picking on top. And I'm keeping it under my hat. Absolutely. Well, that's what the webinars are for. 
The Breeders' Cup turf, they'll race for $4 million in the penultimate race on Saturday. And Magical is the favorite coming over from England, from Ireland to be more accurate. Ryan Moore will ride for Aidan O'Brien. She is, of course, the one that finished second to Enable two years ago in her last Breeders' Cup run. That was at Churchill Downs. There is no Enable to have to deal with. There's no Gaia to have to deal with. No love. It's magical at five to two. And Drew, the number two in the field of 10. Mogul, the other Aiden O'Brien horse in this one. A Drew 10 at four to one. And as far as the Americans are concerned, Arklo on the rail at five to one for Brad Cox. And Channel Maker for Bill Mott at five to one. Drew number nine. Uh, I think Tarnawa is in the field, and we've discussed that horse. Mm -hmm. Drew three uh, for uh, Dermot Weld, looking for his first Breeders' Cup win. Christoph Somion will have the ride. Is Medellin in, in the race? Yes, Drew four, 30 to one on the line. John Gosden and Joel Rosario. I think that horse had a couple of big races um, during the early part of the year, and then kind of fell out of it. I'm not, I'm, uh, is, is there any, um, is there any, knocks on magical of late I, I i wasn't sure that she was coming well remember she was going to race in the arc but the ground was too deep for her and so aiden o'brien took her out this was before his other horses tested positive with the contaminated feed she did race and finish third as the favorite uh, at Ascot, and that was, of course, just back on the 17th, three weeks ago in the champion stakes. But that was soft going, and right away, Aiden O'Brien said that he was sending this horse over here. He's done this before, where he's had like a, a Highland reel that will not look so good over there, but really enjoys the firmer turf over here in the Breeders' right. Cup. So there is that consideration so uh, and if it wasn't for enable magical would have been um really the toast of, of of the race uh coming over here looking for another win so um it'd be very interesting i i need to dive in a little bit more in that um as uh, I, I don't go into as much on on works obviously i go more on how they look when they ship over here and uh, some trip reports from from where they ran uh, across the pond. So uh, I'm really interested in diving in for uh, for the uh, webinar. Finally, the Bafferts drew wide, wide, and wider in the Breeders' Cup Classic. Improbable, the 5-2 favorite, drew 8. Maximum security, the 7-2 third choice, drew 10 in the field of 10. Authentic sandwich between them will try to go from post nine. We've certainly seen him go from an outside post before in Kentucky. Uh, Johnny Velasquez maintaining the ride there and six to one. But you look at Tis the Law, Barkley Tag, they drew two, three to one morning line. I don't know. That's short on him. I mean, uh, I, I, we went over on the webinar why he didn't win the Derby. And it was obvious at, at the 316 poll turning for home. Um, as far as, here's the interesting scenario. Authentic usually breaks out in every one of his races. And we're going to use that on the webinar. We're going to show it. Because mm. if he breaks out, he takes out maximum security. You could conceivably have improbable throwing a meltdown. Authentic breaking out, taking a maximum security, 
and improbable maybe break it slow. Interesting. Interesting. We know improbables gate antics before. Right. And if you go back, and we'll do that on the webinar, we're going to take a look at every single authentic race and show everybody how he breaks out. And if he breaks out, he's going to, he's going to interfere and do something with maximum security who has to break and get over, uh, you know, to get, uh, to get good position. It was interesting on my podcast last week, I had Al Stahl, as you mentioned. I mentioned to you to him, by the way. He sends his regards. Okay. I love yeah. that guy. He's just a good, good man. He had an interesting point of view because, remember, Tom's Detas finished third after a poor break in the Whitney in his yeah. last race. And he had two points to say about that. If you look at how much ground Tom's Detas made up against a slow pace, you could make the point that he was the best horse in the Whitney finishing third. But the other thing he pointed out was that Improbable's antics might have caused Tom's Detas to break slowly because that was part of the distraction that he may have had in the gate. So those two right. points he made coming out, and Tom's Detas drew nowhere near the Baffords. He drew inside at four, and is six to one on the line. Well, you know, we, you and I discussed it before, right before you. I think the next day, last week, you were doing the Al Stahl uh, portion of your uh, podcast, mm -hmm. and you and I discussed it. And I'm interested in what he said um, as I listened to it. I listened to your podcast. I think you do a wonderful job on your show, um, and I recommend Thank for you. everybody up there to go listen to him. And you can tell him before we get off the air. You know, tell him a little bit how to get to it. But I felt that he saw that the horse wasn't quite sharp when he came out of that Whitney. And what he did is he looked at the timing and said, you know, I'm going to do the right thing for this horse. I don't need to run him back in four weeks. I can get this horse ready. He fires fresh. I'll bring him to the Breeders' Cup. It's pretty much what he said, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. All three of those things, those factors, you had the gate issues, you had the slow pace of the race, and you had maybe needing a little more time. Al said, he, he said if they had an extra week for the Whitney, it would have been more ideal than it was with the four weeks that they had in a career short break between races for Tom Stetas. So a little more intrigue to throw into the oh, classic. Oh, absolutely. And I have some really good notes on a lot of those horses. Um, the Baffert's always strain well. Uh, but I, I laid it out a little bit here, and we're going to look at uh, the history of how horses break out of the gate because they do reproduce and re and 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 how to uh, not reproduce, but they do have those bad habits out of the gate that keeps them sometimes from uh, winning races, uh, especially when they're not as sharp. I believe also that when a horse is not that sharp, he stumbles, he breaks badly. He loses focus in the gate, um, you know. And then, of course, speaking of low losing focus, we've got the attention deficit tacit, uh, tacitus uh, in the race as well. <laughs> On the and rail. I hear, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That'll, that'll be a good one for him. You know, uh, ooh, shiny rail. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> you know, he's, he's one of those horses some of those, I had a Tappet. I was one of the first original guys who bought a Tappet for a lot of money back in 2010 before he, I think he was like $25,000 step fee at the time. And boy, you talk about who shiny. Um, he was hilarious, that horse. Mm. His name was Ronan Dax. And if you want to pull him up on and watch his debut at Del Mar, 
first time out for Bobby Troger and I. Uh, his name was Ronan Dax. It's Del Mar 2010, and you'll see one of the better performances for, uh, from a first-time starter on the turf going two turns first time out than you'll ever see. Uh, he just was a head case, and we could never get him to reproduce efforts that, you know, every week, uh, every time he ran. I'm not every week, every time he ran. Uh, and um, Or else he could have been, you know, one of the original very, very good tappets. But having said that, I think if I'm alive going into uh, in the pick five and pick four in Breeders' Cup Classic, I love my chances. Join us for the webinar. Mm -hmm. You'll see what, what I'm talking about. Okay. Give us the times again for Wednesday and Thursday's webinars and how to hurry up because the spaces are filling well, quickly. Well, exactly. This is last call. You go to racingwithbruno.com, sign up for our package. Uh, it's the Friday and Saturday uh, package for $69.95, and you get our regular products as soon as they are produced on Wednesday and Thursday for the Friday and Saturday card, and you get an invite to come to the webinar. Now, you say, hey, Bruno, Ron, I can't make it on Wednesday night or Thursday night for the webinar. I'm working or I, you know, I have a dinner date or whatever you're doing. Um, what I'll do is I will send you a link after the webinar is done and that generates, I can send you a personalized link with your password that you can access and listen to it at your convenience. Nice. It's a great deal. That's in addition, of course, to the written product, everything from the workout reports to the handicapping sheets, all part of that. Uh, oh, absolutely. That's great. Absolutely. All right. Yes. So you know it's funny. You gave you, you when we started. You said you didn't want to give away anything. You gave us some good information without giving away anything. You know, I'm one of those. You know, I'm, I'm one of those people that I'm not gonna. You know, I, I I'm just gonna be honest about what I'm what I'm gonna convey to you, and, and I'm glad that I was able to give some of that information out. And uh, I, I haven't I haven't finalized my picks, and I and and I have to be honest about how I feel about it. I very very guarded about making sure that I what I say on this show materializes on the product because I get a lot but you said um, and I get a lot of people that sometimes think because I talk about a workout on Twitter on social media that that's a pick and and a lot of people bless their heart just don't understand and I feel like I have to repeat myself to make sure they get it that those are not picks because I don't have them finalized yet so I'm very careful about that because I want to give people the right information well there you go and we've given the parameters and the ways to get involved so I think we've got them set and how do we catch your podcast and what do you got going this week Oh, thank you. We have two episodes this week, like you do. You're doing extra value and added value for your customers, hopefully doing the same on our end. The Ron Flatter Racing Pod normally posts Friday, but we also have a Wednesday evening episode, and we will have Chris Andrews, Johnny Avello, Dwayne Colucci, and Vinny Maliulo, our Las Vegas quartet of bookmakers, horse players, and we'll be going over the 14 races on the Breeders' Cup card. So that's the Wednesday episode. And then Friday, 
Eddie Olchek will be along from NBC Sports, and we'll get his thoughts about the Breeders' Cup as well. And you can find the Ron Flatter Racing Pod at Apple, Google, iHeart, Spotify, Stitcher, all the places you find the Racing with Bruno pod, and also at vcin.com slash podcasts. I can't wait to listen to that. Four wise guys on Thursday, and on Friday you get the hockey guy. <laughs> That's right. Wednesday, Wednesday for the wise guys. I'll give. I'll make it a little earlier. Oh, Wednesday's the white guys. I'm sorry. Wednesday the white. It's been a really long day, Ron. I understand. I have to apologize. The week I is, am exhausted. Hey, listen. It's going to be like that for all of us. We're all going to be rummy by Saturday evening. By the way, you know who's been snoozing next to me the entire time? Joe. Tis the Joe. I was going to say if he was a, if you had another name, I would that be a whole new podcast. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. No, Tis the Joe has been laying here next to me being a really quiet boy. He was exhausted, too, because this is, you know, with the change in hours, he's a little confused, you know? Oh, the clock so, change, uh, yeah. Yeah. So he's, um, I'll tell you one thing. I've got some great videos on Twitter where him and I have, we, we conversate, and it's it's a lot of fun. He's just a, he's a great companion. He is a lot of fun. So Tis the Joe will make some sort of appearance on the webinars. And Ron, I'm looking forward to the Wise Guys on Wednesday on your podcast. And Eddie Olchick, you know, the fuck guy, um, on uh, on Thursday. Friday, and, on uh, Friday. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I can barely keep track of it. Don't, oh, don't feel bad. God. Yeah. Yeah, thank God nobody wants to make, you know, uh, doctored videos of me on Twitter. You know, he's senile, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, I'm going to call it a night. I'm going to take it. I'm going to get a good night's sleep, get ready to work tomorrow. We'll get this podcast out. Everybody, I've enjoyed uh, having Ron on as always. And I enjoy having you guys on Wednesday and Thursday on our on our webinars. And I'm out of gas, and I'm going to bed. Get more from Bruno by going to RacingWithBruno.com. This has been the Racing with Bruno podcast.